0: Destination Morocco is excited to announce our new supporters platform where you can show your support for the podcast. Since early 2022, we have delighted in sharing with you the best of Morocco. Great travel advice, cultural insights, conversations with fellow travelers, and our own personal recommendations drawn from a lifetime of experiences. After all, we are proudly Moroccan-owned and operated with a mission to be genuine and trustworthy leaders in Moroccan tourism. Now, you can contribute directly to the podcast and help us continue this mission. Whether 5 8 or $10, a one-time or a monthly commitment, your support is greatly appreciated and keeps the podcast going strong. Follow the link in the podcast show notes or go to ko-fi.com. That's dash F I dot com, and simply search for the word Morocco. See you there.
1: What kind of things do you want your listeners to learn and take away from your podcast, so that they are better informed about Morocco?
0: Well, I would say the culture. The culture is very important. And uh, what do you see on TV? What do you see in the media? It's not necessarily one hundred percent accurate or true. Moroccans are very open people, very open minded, extremely welcoming. Very, very hospitable. And that's what I want people to know about Morocco. Welcome to the Destination Morocco Podcast. The show that takes you away to the beautiful country of Morocco. I am your host, Azadine El Moustakim. In each episode, we explore Moroccan culture, history attractions and activities real and practical information coming from experienced travelers and native Moroccans like myself Our goal is to help travelers that are struggling with planning any type of trip to Morocco Our company Destination Morocco builds personalized tour packages that will ensure you enjoy our country just like locals Follow us at DestinationMorocco.co. And now, now, let's go exploring. Thanks for listening. On this episode, we'll be talking with Ted. Ted is the producer and is the guy on the first trailer. He loves learning about countries and cultures, and he's bringing that passion into podcasting. Destination Morocco is a great example of this. We're chatting today simply about Morocco itself, a bit of an introduction to the country and giving us a taste of what to discover there and what Destination Morocco podcast will explore in more detail with each episode. You will likely hear from Ted from time to time. Ted, welcome to the show and I'm extremely excited to have you on and I just want to say thank you for many, many things. I'm really, really appreciative for all your help your professionalism, your talent, and your time as well. Thank you, and welcome to the show, Ted.
1: Thanks very much, Azdin. This is exciting to be here, and yeah, I've been really looking forward to seeing what you have to share with us about Morocco. So, I'm kind of taking the position here in this episode as one of your listeners, curious about Morocco, and wondering what to expect from this show. So, first of all, Just tell us, you know, what was your motivation to do a podcast about Morocco? Lots of people do video or blogs and other kinds of things, and you may do that too. But what drew you to doing a podcast about Morocco?
0: That's a really good question, Ted. We've done blogs. We have done videos. We still do videos, a little bit of blogs, not as much. But I was on a webinar, actually, and one of the the speakers was talking about books, and they mentioned Donald Miller to read his books and look, you know, just look him up. So I did. Then I started listening to his podcast. At the time, it was named Business Made Simple, I believe. This year, they probably have changed the name to Marketing Made Simple. And I was kind of hooked on it. And the way that he talks about podcast, it just really made sense to me. I, I never thought there's a need for a podcast about Morocco. But doing my homework and research, I really realized there's absolutely a need for it. Because there's really nothing out there that talks specifically about Morocco. There's about travel. There's about you know destinations, specific destinations. But when it comes to Morocco, there's definitely a void. And there's definitely a lot of information and value that we can bring to the listeners. Mm-hmm. So that's what really enticed me to to start the podcast.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. I mean, Morocco, is. A, I found it to be in a, a unique position because it's a place that lots of people, most people are familiar with, but they may not know that much about it. And so it's not like, you know, Europe or popular tourist countries, let's say, but it's not off the beaten path. So we're kind of filling in that gap in terms of just informing people with something that they're already kind of familiar about. So, I mean, do you find that there are, in general, besides a podcast, do you find there are many resources these days for people to learn about Morocco? Is it hard to get accurate information?
0: it is actually hard to get accurate information because I've done my homework and looked up Morocco destinations, all kind of stuff about Morocco. And when I read those blogs, when I read those, how to travel to Morocco, whatever that blog is, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of inaccurate information. And for me, it's kind of really not fair because that information is going to live online forever. So yeah. if somebody's trying to go to Morocco, they're going to be misled by that information. It's, it's not accurate. And again, it just reinforces the need for a podcast, especially about
1: Morocco. hmm So what kind of things do you want your listeners to learn and take away from your podcast so that they are better informed about Morocco?
0: Well, I would say the culture. The culture is very important. And uh, what do you see on TV? What do you see in the media? It's not necessarily 100% accurate or true. Moroccans are very open people, very open-minded, extremely welcoming, very, very hospitable. And that's what I want people to know about Morocco. We welcome everybody, uh, especially the Americans. You know, Morocco, the relationship between Morocco and the U.S. Uh, were allies. It's a really good relationship. In the U.S., Morocco start to get known nowadays. In, I would say in the last five years or so. But when I came to the US in 95, there's not a lot of people who knew much about Morocco. So that's the good news it's changing, but it's just the process is a little bit slow.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was curious about that, just from your experience with your tour company and the work you do to promote Morocco.
0: So it's very popular with Europe, but the US, no. it's a little bit, it's catching up a little bit.
1: What draws people to the country? What gets them interested in it?
0: I would definitely say the number one is the people. Then I would say Morocco as a whole is very diverse. And when you look at it, even in my my own eyes, it looks very exotic. So I know it's the diversity, the people, exotic, the desert. And people, they just want to feel like they want to go back a few years back into the past, maybe 50 years, maybe 100 years. And they want to get to experience that simple life, especially when you go to the mountains and the villages in the mountains. And there's so much tourism and so much things to see in those areas.
1: Which reminds me, for everyone listening, if you haven't done so already, follow Destination Morocco on Instagram. You've got incredible pictures. It's just these vibrant, vibrant photos. There's popping with color, you know, rich blue sky and like deep red deserts and stuff. It it really, really hooks you in. It's cool to see. What do you think people then really want to see and experience once they arrive? Like, can you gauge their expectations?
0: Well. They want to experience Morocco as much as they can, but it just depends on how much time do they have. Hmm. Where are they staying? Are they staying, you know, in a major city, Marrakech, Casablanca, Fas, Isawara? Are they staying in the suburbs? Are they staying in the mountains? So it just really depends. And the culture itself is very diverse. The people are very diverse. There's the Berbers, there's the Arabs, and each city has its own culture, by the way. So Marrakech has its own culture, FAS has its own culture, Casablanca has its own culture, and each city is known for few things that they do better than anybody else.
1: Okay, well, let's kind of take it back to if someone is just discovering Morocco, they're just starting to learn about it, again, they probably have some kind of images and expectations or stereotypes even about Morocco. And let's try to set a frame of reference. So let's go over some of the fundamentals. Like, can you tell us what's the population, what's the ethnic makeup, and the major languages?
0: Oh, sure. The population of Morocco, it's just a little bit over 36 million people. Hmm. And we're consistent of different tribes, the Arabs, the Berbers. And in the Berbers, there's the Berbers in the Atlas Mountains, the High Atlas, the Medium Atlas, the Small Atlas, then in, in the Sahara in the desert. Uh, there's a different Berber language that is spoken there. Then also, if you go to the northern Morocco, the, the Reef Mountains, they have their own Berber language, but we're all considered Berbers.
1: Do people understand each other?
0: If you're from the Yatlas, you'll understand the Berber language, and there's three different types of it. So right. there's about, in terms of the Berber language, I could probably be mistaken, but a minimum of five languages. Oh, wow. Yes, in Berber, just itself. And if you're from the reef, you're not going to understand the people from the Atlas Mountains or the South. So it's uh, it's really? it's very different. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> then the then the Moroccan
1: dialect, of course,
0: uh, that's okay. what connects all of us.
1: The dialect in in Berber.
0: The dialect it's actually a mixed of a little bit of Arabic, a little bit of Berber, a little bit of French, yeah. Spanish, German. So it's kind of it's like a, a buffet of little languages. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Is it like a more of a spoken language, it or, is. It is. So, what, when people write, what would they use?
0: We use Arabic. So, a- okay. Arabic is not the first language; it's the second language or the third language. Yeah. So, the average Moroccan person really speak a minimum of two languages. Then, the people that went to school, minimum of four. Then, if we're talking about tourism, some people seven and nine languages. Wow. Um, especially the ones that work in the market or certified tour guide or even not certified tour guides yeah so uh, yeah we do speak quite a of languages yes escape to the exotic beauty of Morocco with our exclusive small group tours experience intimate group sizes that ensure personalized attention and unforgettable adventures from the enchanting streets of Marrakech to the serene beauty of the Sahara Desert. Forge friendships that last a lifetime while immersing yourself in Morocco's rich culture, vibrant traditions, and warm hospitality. Book your small group tour with Destination Morocco today. Experience the intimacy of a private tour at an affordable price. Go to our website, destinationsmorocco.com, that's destinations with an S, morocco.com, and reserve your spot today.
1: Coming from the United States, Canada, Australia, these big countries, can you give us a sense then of just how close these cities are, like the major cities? What are the major cities in Morocco and how close are they together?
0: The major cities, the capital city is Robat. And it's an imperial city, which means that, you know, it's actually the current capital of the Al-Alawi dynasty. Okay. So, you know, when you go to Rabat, you can tell that it's the capital because it looks like the capital, you know, just politics. And so you can tell. Is it a newer city, relatively speaking? Uh, not really, hmm. but it's, it's, it's the capital and it's been the capital since the uh, 1912. Okay. Um, yeah, of Morocco. So it's um, like Washington. When you go to Washington, it just has that feel. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, you can feel the politics, the politicians. The robot is the same way. Casablanca is the biggest city in Morocco, and it's the, the economy hub of Morocco. It's a huge city, big freeways. Uh, it looks a little bit advanced than some of the cities. Also, Marrakech. Uh, Marrakech has been getting a lot more popular in the last few decades. And then Fas, Fas, which is the oldest city and the second largest city in Morocco. And also, just like Robat and Marrakech, it's an imperial city as well. It's the first imperial city for the Idrisi dynasty. And also Mekanes, it is also an imperial city as well. It's a small city. In terms of comparison between Meknes, Fas, and Marrakech, it's right in between. Fas still holds its place in terms of culture and tradition. Hmm. In terms also of originality, then Marrakech is a little bit more kind of trendy. Now, I would say not as much as Casablanca, but it's 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 there. It's very popular, very famous. It's the go-to city. It's yeah. it is, Casablanca used to be a lot more popular than Marrakech, but Marrakech has, is now a lot more popular than Casablanca. And then Meknas fits right in between Marrakech and Fass. Meknas, in my opinion, it's a small city. They have a square similar to the Fna Square as well. But I would say it reminds me of Marrakech, I would say, in the 80s, the 90s. It's quiet, nice people, really, really nice city. And then Tangier, uh, which is the uh, closest point to Europe, and it has the biggest port of Morocco and also in Africa. Oh, really? Tangier has seen in the last two decades the most, I would say, development. So if you look at Tangier 20 years ago versus today, it's night and day. So Tangier, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. And also used to be called the International City hmm. uh, during the World War II. Yes. And also Shifshawan, which is the, it's called the Blue Pearl. It's a very nice city, very laid back city. It's It has its own culture. The people of Shifshawan, they're they, they are not a morning people. So they don't expect anything to open <laughs> before 10 in the morning. So they're they just very relaxed, very hospitable, very nice people. I When I visit Shifshawan, I love it. I love Shifshawan. Hmm. Then we have the Windy City as well, which is called Sawira. It's known for its uh, international music festival, international surfing events, and also Warzazat, which is uh, the gate of the desert. And that's where, in Sawira, Fass, and also in Warzazat, Eid Ben that's where they filmed some of the Game of Thrones. Um,
1: okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh. How do people get around between the cities, and how close together are they, generally speaking?
0: Generally speaking, I would say if somebody's traveling from the U.S., most likely they will land in Casablanca. And between Casablanca and Rabat, it's about 45-minute drive. Then if you want to go to Fez, it's about two and a half hours drive. From Casablanca to Marrakesh, it's also two and a half hours drive. And then if you want to go from Fess to Meknes, it's very close, maybe 30 minutes. Then the next one to it is Volubilis, uh, which is the Roman's ruins. It's an amazing, amazing place to eat. It's a must-see on any itinerary to Morocco, especially the northern side, Volubilis. And then close to it is Shaun, I would say about you know an hour and a half or so. Then Sawera, between Sawera, if you're in Casablanca, I would say about an hour or so. If you're from Marrakech, about two hours. Then Walzazet is about two hours from Marrakech. So Further south? The rest of them are to the north and west. Walzazet is to the south. So Marrakesh is actually is the center point of Morocco.
1: Okay.
0: Wazizat that is on its south. Casablanca, Rabat, Isawira is on its west. Fez, Meknas, Tangier, Shefshawan are on the north side. Hmm. If you're in Marrakech, a 45-minute drive, you'll feel like you're in a completely different city. Yeah, okay. You know, it's either the mountains or the desert. It, it has that look. You don't have to drive for a long time to see a different scenery.
1: Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit, like if you were planning a trip to Morocco, it, it sounds like, especially again from the perspective of a larger country, that these places are fairly close together. Can you expect to therefore see a lot of these cities, a lot of these destinations, hopefully get a bit of time in the desert or the mountains even too? Is it fair to say you can cover a lot of ground in maybe a couple of weeks? Or would you recommend more staying, choosing perhaps two or three places and really getting the most out of them? That's a really good question.
0: And it really depends. If you have one week, just like you said, you can just dedicate it, for example, to the north side of Morocco and see, you know, Casablanca, Rabat, Chefchaouen, Fas, Tangier, Asila. Or you can do it in the south, you know, Marrakech, spend a little bit of time in Marrakech. There's a lot of things to see hmm. in Marrakech itself. Then go to Warzazad to the um, Atlas Studios, to Eid bin Hiddu, where they have filmed, you know, Game of Thrones, the Gladiator. They have actually a Museum, a Gladiator Museum, and a Game of Thrones Museum. Hmm. And movies are, are being filmed there all the time. So you might run into a camera crew or a production company just shooting some scenes in Eid bin Hiddu. Then you go to the desert, um, then come back. So this uh, that's what I would recommend. One week, either to the south or do the north. Now, okay. if you want to do both, I would recommend at least 10 days. And you can do the same itinerary instead of 10 days for 15 days and spend a little bit more time, especially in Fes and especially in Marrakech. Okay.
1: Uh, what kind of budget would a tourist be looking at for say one week in Morocco?
0: Let's say how many people are traveling? Is it just you and somebody else? If it's just two people, if it's a private tour, if it's a,
1: yeah, let's say it's two people, so, a couple. Okay,
0: yeah. a couple, a private tour for one week, for example, should be around, I would say, about 2500 or so. And it includes a lot of things. And also what makes the tour pricey or not pricey, number one is the hotels where you're staying. Right. So that's what really going to dictate the budget for your tour. So traveling to Morocco, I always recommend Riyadh's when not available, especially in major cities like Marrakesh, and Sawera. Because they they're they different than hotels and it gives you that Moroccan authentic experience. Now if you can't, then stay at a hotel. You know three star hotel is good.
1: Is a Riyadh like a homestay?
0: It's a different than a homestay. Riads, those are Moroccan houses originally in the nineteenth century. The way that they were built they're very different, they're very elaborate in every way possible. They're incredible, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So I would say in the mid-90s, Morocco changed its law because after the King Hassan II passed away, Mohammed VI took over, he changed ownership of things, especially for tourists and foreigners. In the past, if you're a foreigner, you want to buy something in Morocco, you can't. You have to have a partner, a Moroccan partner. Now, that changed and foreigners, they can buy property and they have 100% ownership to it. Mm. So, because we are Moroccans and we don't see the value. if you, I wouldn't say not, we don't see the, the real value of the Riyads, but it just we don't see them with an eye of an artist, an eye of a tourist, an eye of somebody from outside. So, especially the French, the Europeans, they saw them as... It's like they are museums more than anything else. They are just beautiful, beautiful. So they start buying them and Mm -hmm. the prices has gone up some into the millions. Wow. It's, it just, it was just crazy. Everybody who has a Riyadh that sells it for a million to millions, which is unheard of. So that's what really changed the game in terms of the Riyadhs. Then those people, they have their own connections in European France or Spain or So they start bringing their own people. So now, you know, when you're in France, for example, in Europe, you don't have to deal with anybody in Morocco. You can have that experience and it's your way out and it's private. So you can have your own group of people, do, you know, food classes, anything you want, really. And it affected kind of the business a little bit, especially for the hotels for quite some time. So that's what I would recommend because you do see the experience is so much better than the hotel. We have some amazing hotels Mm-hmm. But if you get a chance to stay at a yard, I would definitely recommend it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the uh, authentic experience to be able to do it. Okay, well, I'd like to touch on a couple of pressing questions that people likely have before we wrap up. Uh, how about safety? How do you recommend staying safe? And what can people expect just in terms of general safety as they travel in Morocco?
0: Safety is extremely important anywhere you go, whether you travel to Morocco, Europe, Asia, You have to protect yourself and you have to look out for yourself. Now, when you book a tour with us, part of that experience is your safety. And I'm talking about especially the tour guides because you get a car and a driver or an SUV or a bus or a minibus and a driver that is available for you 24-7. Then you have your tour guide available 24-7. Then you have your manager on duty 24-7. And the most important of all is the tour guide because when you walk in, in a museum, walk into the markets, the Gemelfna Square, there's a lot of scams, there's a lot of people are yeah. gonna be bothering you. So when they see that tour guide with the badge, it's like really having a bodyguard. You're protected. Nobody's gonna say, Hey, come buy this or this or hey, they're gonna pull your hand or say, Hey, you know, mm. get this for me or give me a dollar or two. So all of that just goes away. And also a major part of scams. You're protected from. The scams, by the way, it's, it's an episode that we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. shortly. So that's what I would recommend, safety. Safety, you have to protect yourself. Yep. And generally, Morocco is a very safe country. When people scam you, they approach you, they have no intention to hurt you in any way. They just want to scam you for, you know, a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, you know, whatever yeah. they can get out of you. But mm. your safety is never at
1: risk. Well, it's good to know that and good to be prepared then going in. I mean, people listening and who've traveled broadly are likely familiar with a lot of these things. So you just keep your wits about you and, and otherwise know that, yeah, it's a safe place and that it's in the country's interest to keep people safe, especially tourists, because we all know their reputations can turn quite quickly. Related to that is just in terms of general health. You know, people have questions about the, the drinking water and temperatures and the intensity of the sun and things like that. So what can we expect in terms of that?
0: In terms of the, the drinking water, the type of water for each city is different. Casablanca, it's different than, you know, Marrakesh, than fast than robot. But I stay away from it. I don't drink it, even though I did when I lived in Morocco. But now I'm not really used to it. Right, so I always buy bottled water. there's a local brand called Sidi ali a l i and there's a small bottle a half liter it's like three dirhams which is the equivalent to maybe sixty cents eighty cents hmm. then there's the big bottle i think it's the one liter and a half, and it's six dirhams, which is the equivalent to almost still less than a dollar hmm. so that's what i do i i always have Bottle of water with me all the time. And I don't necessarily get the small one, but I get the large one because of the value. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what I would recommend. Temperatures, that's a really good question. Temperature really vary from the north to the south, to the middle, to the coastal area. The coastal area is a little bit more humid than the in-country, uh, like Marrakesh. It's not as humid, but it gets really, really hot, especially during the summertime. And I compare the weather of Marrakesh to the weather of Arizona. Okay. Uh, Mm to San Arizona, for example, or Phoenix. So it's very hot in summertime, very dry, but you got to be careful from the heat. Yeah. In the mountains, the heat is worse than the cities and you have to protect yourself, especially in the Atlas mountains. I would say between 10 o'clock in the morning and about 3 p.m., you always, you know, have to cover your head, the hat or whatever, just because that heat is very intense. Hmm. And also in, in the mountains, the weather really changes quick. And it seems that you'll have almost four seasons in one day. You have to plan your trip very careful. And also the locals, your driver or your tour guide, they know the change of the season. They know the change of the weather. So, for example, last time I went, we were driving in the mountains and I told actually my sister, it's going to rain in about 30 minutes. She's like, oh, no, it's not going to rain. And, you know, then the driver, you know, he's a Berber and he's local. He said, you know what, it it is going to rain. And sure enough, just a little <laughs> bit further, it starts raining because I spend most of my vacation in the mountains. So the weather, we know what the weather is going to be and we dress up accordingly to it. That's, that's really how I know. That's how the locals know. And also knowing the weather will, will help you tremendously because every now and then we get floods
1: okay.
0: unexpectedly. Uh, and again, last time we were having lunch at 8 bin Hiddu and i was looking at the clouds and you know the sand it looks a little bit tense and aggressive and i asked my driver and said hey you know what it's time to go we have to go because we were planning to go to to the kasbah and said the kasbah we can do it some some other time we have to leave right now mm-hmm. there's a storm coming and sure enough we left and we left everything behind us 3 hours later we get in calls that it flooded and and people got stuck in it bin Hidduh, who were coming up you know supposedly be coming towards us going towards the desert so you Um. have to be really really careful in the mountains especially and you have to know the weather so that's again that's the benefit of having a tour guide with you or booking your tour with the tour company if you're a solo traveler you can still do it but there's recommendations to it and that's something that we'll you know we'll discuss later as well so
1: yep that's exactly it that's that's why you're here to to help us navigate (laughs) all the things and to know it like a local there's so much here that we only just touched on today. I'm excited to listen to all of these topics and more, and, and really get into detail. I mean, you can see how like e- any one of these subjects uh, can be an episode exploring it more. I hope that we'll hear from some more people from Morocco. You know, either who might be in the states now, or we can get in touch with them live on site there. But it's nice to hear some of those local voices too, and even some travelers too who've been to Morocco and share some of their experiences. You know, if if anyone's listening and they want to get in touch. Tell us your story and tell us something you experienced in Morocco. And this is a great place to finally share it. You know, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first podcast that's really dedicated to understanding travel in Morocco and what to expect. So this is really exciting to have you here and to to start the journey. It's uh, lots to look forward to. Absolutely, I'm I'm beyond excited, and
0: there's there's a lot of value to be shared and to learn as well. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even just anyone who's curious about travel, loves learning about countries and cultures around the world, just like me. I mean, this is what we're here for. So it's the start of Destination Morocco. Thanks for having me on the show, SDNL. Oh,
0: it's, it's always a pleasure <laughs> to, to talk to you, to chat with you, to learn from you. And Yeah. Uh, I'm extremely grateful. Great. Well, so, we'll do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week on the Destination Morocco podcast. Our dedicated show website, DestinationMoroccoPodcast.com is where you can find all of our episodes, leave a review, find our social media links and even register as a guest. If you have been to Morocco yourself and would love to share a story, advice or recommendations, you're welcome to participate in our podcast. Whether it's a five minute story or a full conversation, we will guide you through the steps so that you can share your experience with our listeners. We will be back soon enough with a new episode for you as we continue our exploration of the beautiful country of Morocco. See you then! You have traveled the world, but Morocco's allure beckons you. Destination Morocco is here to create the perfect once-in-a-lifetime Moroccan journey, tailored exclusively to your desires. Let us craft an itinerary that unlocks the secrets of this mesmerizing land just for you. For a luxurious, bespoke Moroccan adventure of a lifetime, visit destinationsmorocco.com that's destinations with an s morocco.com and let us turn your dreams into reality your amazing moroccan experience awaits